following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Don't you know I love you? Yes, I love you. Oh, I love you. <laughs> Don't you know I miss you? So I was in, I was in Fayetteville, North Carolina Sunday. Uh, somehow in this process of ministry, there have been some young men that have kind of t- attached themselves to whatever I am and whatever I try to do, and they want me to come from time to time, and I guess they kind of look at me as a mentor. That kind of sounds embarrassing to even say, but what a joy I had in Fayetteville, 10th anniversary for a young man and his wife that took a church that was very steeped in traditionalism, and uh, in 10 years, they've turned it into a praise-happy church that loves God. Amen. That no longer is, can I say this without you think I'm big, no longer legalistic, but has the grace of God in it. And uh, people can get saved in that house. Everybody's welcome in that house. And I just, I'm just giving them a shout out here tonight. They're not listening, but I'm giving them a shout out here tonight. And I was happy to be there. <clears throat> I missed y'all. But uh, Pastor Brad knocked it out of the park here Sunday. You're not, you're not. I will never leave you without somebody preaching the word from their heart to you. And I love the fact that our staff here preaches from their heart. This is a heart church. Would you stand to your feet? You know what I'm bringing tonight. I told you last Wednesday night, I'm bringing the second portion of this. I'm gonna call it the Joy Genome 2. All right, everybody say two. two. And this will be the last one of these that I will talk about because we don't have enough weeks to stretch out a, a series to four or five weeks, but I wanna speak on this tonight, Joy Genome 2. Now, <clears throat> I want to say to you tonight that I am not going to be lengthy, I really am not, I am battling a chest cold, and uh, this is so funny, folks. This is so funny. I come in Sunday night. I get to bed about midnight, jump up and come to work early Monday because I want to see what happened here over the weekend. Of course, I'd already called on the phone, and Norena had already called me and told me we had in church, and uh, she's good at that. I love that. Well, this is your favorite call on Sunday, and so what a joy. She texted me this week because I was out of town, but what a joy to hear from her. But when I got home, I had just a little bit, I guess, change of, uh, of, of uh, weather. Yeah, whatever. It was, it was real cool up there. Thank you. It was real cool up there. And uh, it's hot in Austin. Played a little golf with, the, with those pastors on Saturday, and it never got above 80. So it was pretty cool, you know. Pretty cool. That's nice. That's... So anyhow, I came home with a little cough, just a little cough, just a little one. And my wife said, you're going to go get tested for COVID. (laughs) And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, and she said, yes, you are. And I said, yes, ma'am. I did. I said, yes, ma'am. 
So I'm negative. Amen. I talked to Dr. Millett tonight. He's been my family doctor for a while, and I, he's retired now, and I'm still trying to pull doctor out of him. He told me, he said, it'll, it'll be all right in a few days. So thank you, doctor, for a good word. I'm going to be fine. So if I get a little choked up tonight, I may have to stop and get some water, but we'll make it. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. You may be seated. Philippians is the most joyful book of the entire Bible. And right here in the end of summer in Austin, I think the world, I think America, I think Austin and this church could use a good dose of Jesus-centered joy. Hear this. The most joyful book in the Bible, folks, was written from a prison cell called the Mamertine Prison in Rome. That's hard to imagine. Many probably think that Paul was maybe coming off of a great crusade. Maybe he had been in a mineral bath or perhaps he was in a green room getting a manicure and a pedicure. But he's on lockdown, yet he writes a joyful book. My heart tonight says, I want God to give us the joy in this church house that Paul had in prison. So I'm reading the same text as I read last week. I'm just going to remind you again. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. That's all he was worried about. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in these chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice, I'm joyful. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die his game. The dominant word of the book of Philippians is joy. Paul uses the word joy or rejoice 16 times in 104 verses. He's trying to get a message across to us. Genome 2 tonight. Last week we discovered that a genome contains all the genetic material for an organism. The chromosomes, the DNA, the genes. And the genes send all the information to the proteins that are required to sustain an organism. Proteins determine what the organism is going to look like, the health of the organism, and often the behavior of the organism. A genome is the master blueprint for everybody and for the body. What you look like, the health of, and the behavior of. And what is the master blueprint of this thing called joy? 
What exactly is Christian joy? In order for us to define what it is, we must explain what it's not. So I'm gonna talk to you real briefly. It's not synonymous with fun and games. Joy is not. Pleasure seekers seek, seek it, but they don't find it. Joy is something different and much deeper. Pleasure is just for a season, but joy can be for a lifetime. Number two, it's not the ability to always tell funny stories or to be the life of the party. Some people are like that, and I love that. Some are not. It's often a matter of temperament. Laughter has its benefits. It does good like a medicine. It releases endorphins in your body, to be sure, but it might not suffice during a crisis. Number three, neither is joy the same as being carefree. I'm just carefree. I'm just letting the wind blow through my scalp. Some believe that vacations are a recipe for joy, but these are often merely temporary also. People see joy only in escapist terms. True joy can be the Christian's portion anytime, any place, under any strain. It was so for Jesus, it was so for the Apostle Paul, and it can be so for you and me today. And the fourth thing, joy is not the same as happiness. Happenings lead to happiness. Joy is birthed, listen now, as a result of a loving relationship. Sad is that person who bases his joy strictly on beneficial circumstances. The events of life are like waves on the sea. They come and they go. Sometimes there's a rogue wave coming depending on the direction and the force of the wind. And if you were to ask a psychologist what joy is all about, he would say something like this. Joy is a state of mind into which four ingredients enter. I'm gonna talk about them swiftly, then I'm gonna cover them distinctly. Number one, it's a sense of being loved. Say being loved. Number two, it's the ability to accept your situation in life. Number three, it's an ingredient, is a sense that you have something worth having such as a spouse, children, a friend, a hobby, a career. And fourth, its ingredient is the sense that you are given something worth giving. Giving is a great source of joy. The Bible said God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. I have always noticed that people who are givers are normally cheerful. I've hardly hardly ever seen a sour sack that's a giver. I've I've, I've hardly ever seen somebody that had problems with giving kindness and giving courtesies and giving the street to somebody else and you not run them off the road. People that have given hearts are people that get along with people. I want this church to learn how to be a giver in their heart in their soul, in their mind, in their talents, in their treasure, and in their time. Amen. Amen. And so, (coughs) excuse me. Now, giving oneself to others is tremendously rewarding. Mothers know this, and dads know this, that have to take care of the kids when mama's not there. They give themselves endlessly to make their children happy. 
I love this phrase. You might put this on your refrigerator. Joy is like jam. It sticks to you as you're trying to spread it. You ever got that jam on you while you, you have to wash yourself and then it gets on you again, you have to wash your hands again? Let's break this down. Number one, joy comes when a believer knows that he or she is loved. Do you believe that? I heard a psychologist say a long time ago, many people want to give love away. That's not how you grow. How you grow is learning how to accept love. You got to learn how to receive love. And if you never learn how to receive love, you'll always be on the backside of this blessing called life. You got to learn how to receive it. So I want you to do something tonight, a little practice here. I want you to raise your hands. I want you to raise your hands like this and I want you to look up and say, Jesus, I'm going to receive your love tonight. I'm going to accept what you have for me tonight. I'm a giver, but I want to be a receiver. I give away, I want to have something in return. Give to me your love tonight and I'll walk out of here a different person. Amen. Paul said this. Paul said this. He loved me and he gave himself for me. To me, that's a better scripture than John 3.16 because it's a personal love. John, the beloved, the disciple said, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. Those two men wrote great books. They wrote, Paul wrote half the New Testament and John wrote the apostle, uh, first, second, third epistle of John plus the book of John plus the revelation of Jesus Christ. Those men were powerful, but they understood something. I'm loved. I'm loved by God. If you want to excel in life, receive what God has for you in this thing called love. He loves us. In Luke 10, the disciples said to Jesus, the devils are subject to us through your name. It's a unique verse in Luke 10, 20 and 21. Jesus says to them, do not rejoice over demons being subject to my name, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And in that hour, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. One translation said he, he went into a spirited dance. Can you imagine Jesus dancing in his sandals and not losing his sandals? And later he said, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. What did they see? They saw Jesus full of joy. And they saw him in a spirited dance because he had just told them, don't rejoice because of something that you do in my name, but rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Can anybody get excited about that tonight? Can anybody get excited about that? The love of God led him to adopt us into his very own family because we responded to his invitation. We didn't find him, he found us. Number two, joy comes from having an acceptance of our situation in life. Now this is something the Christian can do because he knows what others do not know, that all of his circumstances are planned out for him by a loving God and that they will eventually work out for the good. Romans 8, 28 says that, for we know all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. This makes contentment possible in any situation Paul was in prison when he said, I have learned in whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. 
you're not gonna get me upset, I'm gonna be content. The message version said, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I'm in prison, but I'm all right. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with a little as with much and with much as with little. Paul said, whatever you bring me, just bring it on. You're not gonna stop this contentment. Oh, I want that kind of joy in my life. I had lunch today with a young minister. He lost his wife the other day and, and, and I married this couple four years ago on the porch of the old building. I married them. His first wife had walked out on him and ran away with somebody and she didn't want the gospel. She didn't want to be a preacher's wife and so she just ran out and said, I don't want it anymore and she ran off with another person and that ended that marriage. A sweet young man, a precious young man and then God gave him this beautiful lady. She was very beautiful and uh, she contacted COVID and she died last week and so he's been calling me and we, he came today and we had lunch and he was sitting there at the table. We were eating some good Mexican food. When you're, when you're hurting, Mexican food is good for you. <laughs> and he made this statement. He said, Pastor Rex, it's hard for me to get over the whys of this moment. Yeah, it is. I said, yes, it is. The whys of this moment outweigh the whats of this moment. It's tough to understand the whys. But then I'm, I just said this. I said, I just got to quote the word. I got to quote the word, Shannon. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. And who knows, who knows that God's got somebody waiting for him right now. He wants to start a church. He wants to bring a church in. He wants somebody to preach to. He wants to have people that he can take to heaven. And I said, hey, God still got you in his hand. And the whys will all be understood one day. Thirdly, psychologists say that joy comes from having something worth having. <laughs> Philippians 3 said, I count all things to be lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them but garbage that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Paul, folks, discovered Someone on the Damascus Road worth having. I don't know when your salvation took place in your life. I don't know when your Damascus Road took place. But Paul found someone worth having and he brings Paul such joy that even the things he lost to gain Jesus seem worthless. That, my friend, is a conversion. When you find that Jesus is everything that you ever wanted and everything you lost don't even matter anymore. You know, when a man, when a man courts a girl, what does he want? He simply wants a loving relationship with her. And it is because of that he proposes marriage one day. And the marriage relationship isn't a means to an end but is itself the source of joy which makes it all worthwhile. And so a Christian says with Paul, I have Jesus. I'm married to him. I have the glorious reality of knowing him and that's enough for me. Jesus is my pearl of great price. Jesus is my treasure in the field. I will let anything go in order to hold on to Jesus. 
That's what you call internal holiness. Nothing's greater on the inside than Jesus. Come on, clap your hands for him, not me. And the fourth thing, joy comes from giving something worth giving. And what is that we possess as children of God that's worth giving away? It's our faith. It's our hope. It's the grace that God has blessed us with and the mercy that we have obtained. It's our knowledge of Jesus and our pure love for him and others. There's a certain exultation that sweeps over us and we've been given the greatest gift possible, something supremely worth giving. These, my friends, these four things are the wellspring of joy. And Jesus tells the 70 men, you got your power from me. I've given you authority to walk and to trample on serpents and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you, Luke 10 and 19. So Jesus said, don't rejoice in what you have done. Rejoice in the power God has given you by your name being written down in heaven. Rejoice in the Lord and what he's done for you because joy is not a man and woman thing. It is a God thing. Now, I'm gonna say that again. Joy is not a man or woman thing. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. I don't wanna get in it too early, but the good Lord is our new genome. He is what we need in our life. Now, I wanna switch from that 70 disciples to the next two verses that tell about Christ's joy. What was it that made Jesus joyful? At that time, Jesus was full of joy. I'm speaking of Luke chapter 10, verse 21 and 22. Where's Jesus getting his joy? From God Almighty. That's where he's getting it. Notice that Jesus does once, what Jesus does once he's filled with joy through his prayer to God, he begins to praise. He praises the God of heaven. He said, I praise you, Father. This is the book, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. For this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by you. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The first nine words out of the mouth were praises. He said, I praise you, Father, the Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus is receiving his joy, his joy from the Spirit. And because of that joy, he praises the God of heaven. He receives his joy and reflects his joy to God because joy is a God thing. It's not a man thing. Say it, joy is a God thing. Joy is not about what you can do. It's about what God can do and will do through you. That's what it's all about. So all of the people on earth, we ought to be the most joyful people in Texas, in Austin, in America. We ought to be singing about the joy all the time. In fact, last week I sang a little bit and I'm bringing that song back tonight because some of you didn't sing with me. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart, down in my heart, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy 
I got the love of Jesus in my heart and I'm so happy, so very happy. I got the love of Jesus in my heart. That's enough. I didn't think I was going to get to preach tonight. I thought you folks were going to take it away from the <laughs> preacher tonight. I think the Apostle Peter wrote this second song. It goes like this. I have found his grace is all complete. He supplies my every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Peter wrote that, full of glory. Full of glory, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Where's Randy when I need him? Oh, the half has never yet been told. Not yet. He left me. That's the kind of song we need to be singing all the time. I know he's there. I know it. I know it. Stay. <laughs> These folks missed you Sunday too. Yeah. <clears throat> it is the will of our heavenly Father that we be joyful people. The Hebrew dialect is filled with so many words that describe joy. Old Testament, New Testament, they write about joy because God wants his people to be joyful. But sometimes that's not easy to do. There are times when you just don't feel joyful. There are times when you don't feel like rejoicing. There are times when I don't feel that way. That's why God makes such an emphasis on the power of joy. He says in Philippians 4 and 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, why would Paul repeat himself? Why say, again, I say rejoice? Let me ask you a question. How many of you have kids? How many, nobody wants to admit that tonight? How many have grandkids? All right, put your hands down. Have you ever had to repeat yourself to them? Why? Because they're not paying one slap bit of difference in your, what you're saying the first time you say it. And so you have to say, I'm going to say this one more time. <laughs> and they might have your attention. You might have their attention then. And we have to say it the third time. They say, I think we better do that. Bo Daddy's ready to talk to us. <laughs> so Paul repeats himself on this because rejoicing doesn't come to us naturally. So he has to remind us. He repeats himself because we're too distracted by our toils and by our worries of this world to focus on the real power that rejoicing can give us in our lives. Nehemiah said it well in 8 and 10. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's time. It's time to quit grieving. I'm going to tell you some good news. There will be no face mask in heaven. I'm going to tell you some more good news. There won't be any COVID in heaven. I'm going to tell you some more good news. Jesus is going to be there. I'm going to give you some more good news. This church is going to be there. Come on. It's time to get past your toils and your worries and say, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord 
and again I'm going to rejoice because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Where that joy come from? It's of the Lord. He's our joy genome. You see, that kind of joy isn't of the world. It's of the Lord. The world didn't give that kind of joy. God did. And since the world didn't give it to me, guess what? The world can't take it away from me. Now, that's important. Get this next point. The joy of the world will fail you. If my joy is focused on what I can do, what I can accumulate, what I can possess, what I can brag on, I can lose that. If joy is in my possessions and I lose my possessions, I'll lose my joy. If joy is in my house and I lose my house, guess what? I'll lose my joy. If my joy is in my health and I lose my health, guess what? I'll lose my joy. And If my joy is a loved one and I lose that loved one, guess what? I'll lose my joy. And when I lose my joy, the world starts falling apart on me. I become depressed, discouraged, and demoralized and disenfranchised. I may even wonder why I want to live. And when that happens, I literally lose my strength. And when that happens, a lot of people begin to get angry at Jesus because they think he's the reason they lost their joy when really he's the reason that you had it in the first place. They, think, they say things like, Jesus, why did you allow me to lose that which I found such joy in? And Jesus will say, didn't I tell you? Didn't you listen? There is nothing you have on this earth that you will ever keep. So he said in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Put your treasures in heaven. Everything you're attracted to in this world is going to get broken, it's going to be stolen, it's going to get rusted out, and it's going to die. If your joy is wrapped up in those things, you're destined for disappointment. But let me quote Nehemiah again, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. The people who understand this can weather any storm. Shannon, you're going to weather that storm of losing that sweet wife. You're going to, you're going to weather it. I'm going to the funeral tomorrow. They can survive tragedy. They can heal from any heartache. They can handle any hardship in this world because the joy of the Lord is their strength. Jesus taught that in Luke 10. When you get your joy from the, the Lord, the world can't take it away from you. I close with this story. Thank you for your sweet time tonight. You notice I got the floor late and I'm finishing in 30 minutes, so I did pretty good. I want you to notice that. Because I might get wound up Sunday and not close on time. A missionary, a missionary was leading worship at a leper colony in the island of Tobago. And there was time for one more song. So he asked if anyone had a request. And a woman who had been facing away from the lectern turned around was the most hideous face the missionary said he had ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. The disease had destroyed her lips as well. She lifted up a fingerless hand in the air and asked, can we sing a verse in a chorus of count your many blessings? Overcome with emotion, the minister left the service and 
He was outside crying and he was followed by another team member who said, Jack, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. He said, yes, I will. But I'll never sing it the same way. Let me tell you something. I do care what you're going through, but I've got to say it this way. I don't care where you're at in that. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you, the thing that'll get you out of any despair is the joy of the Lord. The thing that'll take you out of any situation is the joy of the Lord. He is our joy genome. He really is. It's him. It's him that blesses the organisms. It's him that sends the message to the proteins. It's him. It's him that makes us who we are. It's him. It's all about Jesus. <clears throat> so why was this woman in this leper colony so able to sing that song? Because she had learned that joy of the Lord was her strength and she had learned that without Jesus there was nothing worth anything in her. But with Jesus she had a joy the world could not take away. You know I love old people. I'm gonna be there in about 25 years. <laughs> but old people, I love old people that get this, that get this sermon, that get it. Because when old people get it, it just kind of contagious. It'll get on young people. When you see an old person walking through church smiling, Just happy. Come on, just happy. You want to say, what have they been eating? More so, what have they been drinking? And it'll come across you and you'll say, what have they done to get here? And they'll always come to you and say, I trusted in Jesus. And he was my joy. He was my full joy. I buried a little lady years ago named Tink Deal. She got it. I buried another woman. I called her my Almond Joy. She gave me almonds all the time to eat. She said if I ate nine a day, cholesterol would never be a problem with me. So I ate 27, 36 a day. <laughs> Marge Sloman got it. Pop Hughes, a little fat round man, he got it. My mother-in-law in Houston got it. Retired Pastor Herman Burris got it. In the last two years, we buried two wonderful people, Wynn Wilkinson and his wife, Cleo. They got it. They never walked in this church in their 90s without the biggest smile and the biggest grin. How things, Brother Wynn? Oh, they couldn't be better, preacher. They couldn't be better. God's good. They knew. They knew something we all got to grasp. That the joy of the Lord is our street. Would you stand? Would you stand? Folks, I'd rather preach to y'all than eat. And you can look at me and tell you, tell you, I love to eat. Everybody say, do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so Shannon asked me today in my office, 
I give you one of my books. And he asked me today, he said, how'd you do it, Pastor Rex? And I said, I kept on believing that joy was gonna bring me out of grief. And you know what, folks, it did. It did. And I'm weeping tonight because I'm so happy. I can't tell you how happy I am to preach to this congregation and to tell you that he is our everlasting joy. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody, nobody. Nobody like Jesus. I want you to do something for me before we dismiss. I'm gonna pray over you. But I want you to do something so massive tonight. Just make it the most massive it's ever been. I want you, if you have to, spit on your hands. And I want you to put your hands together like hummingbird wings and clap to the Lord with all your might for about 20 seconds. Come on. Come on. thank you for giving me voice. I thank you for giving me thoughts. I thank you for giving me peace, contentment in this pulpit. I'm never, I never feel like that I am preaching against somebody. This church is for you, they're for me, and I'm for them, and I'm for you. We're all headed the same direction, Lord. We love what you're doing at Christian Life, Austin. We love it. God, continue. Continue to walk with us. Continue to teach us that we can have the joy genome any day of our life. No matter what we're walking through, you're gonna be with us. You're gonna walk with us and you're gonna help us. Now bless us and bring us back Sunday morning, nine o'clock and 11 for a great, great, wonderful day of singing. And thank you for the music tonight and the word and salvation will be here Sunday. And thank you for the babies that are gonna be dedicated Sunday. We got a passel of them and it's so joyful to have babies. What an honor. Bless this congregation. Give us strength tonight, strength for tomorrow. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Take a long time going home tonight. I'll see you. I'll see you Sunday. God bless.